September the 7th marks Brazil's Independence Day. The date is a source of pride for many Brazilians, and across the country, state and municipal administrations hold parades and people take to the streets with their green and yellow flags. But few people in Brazil, let alone those abroad, know how Brazilian independence came to be. Brazil is an improbable country. It is an immense mass of land, bound by a single language and a single flag. Even in the year of our independence, many thought Brazil as a nation would never actually come to pass. And yet, against the odds, Brazil managed to emerge as a unified country. This week, we tell the story of how Brazil became a nation, a story that wouldn't be possible if not for Napoleon Bonaparte's megalomaniacal plans of world domination. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. In 1807, France's general-turned-emperor Napoleon Bonaparte was the greatest military leader the world had seen since the time of the Caesars. Leading multiple coalitions, he defeated every army that tried to subdue France and was the most powerful man in Europe. Britain, however, remained the exception to Napoleonic domination. Protected by the English Channel, the Brits had avoided direct confrontation with the French leader, imposing him a hard defeat in 1805 at the Battle of Trafalgar. The Emperor ordered a continental blockade against Great Britain, promising fierce retaliation for those who disobeyed him. The tiny, unprotected Portugal, however, defied Napoleon and continued trading with England. That's why, in November 1907, French troops began marching on Lisbon in order to take the Portuguese crown from the Braganza family. Cornered between the two major superpowers of the time, Portugal's King João VI had two choices, neither of them particularly appealing. He could yield to the blockade, making an enemy out of England. Or he could flee Lisbon, taking his court, the Portuguese nobility and bureaucracy across the Atlantic to settle in Brazil. His escape would be escorted by the British Navy. The British offer may seem generous at first glance, but it was actually an ultimatum. If the Portuguese refused the Brazilian option, the British Navy would repeat in Lisbon what it had done in Copenhagen months before. When Denmark refused to support England, its capital was relentlessly bombarded, killing 2,000 people. João VI opted to do what no other European ruler had ever done before. He fled to the New World. The Portuguese royal family and its delegation arrived in Salvador in January 1808 and settled in Rio de Janeiro two months later. And that's when the very idea of Brazil as a country began taking shape, according to João Paulo Pimenta, a history professor at the University of São Paulo. The Napoleon invasion of Portugal was probably the main event 
to explain the process of Brazilian independence. Before the arrival of Portuguese court in Brazil, Brazil was not a political unity and it was not a national unity. Uh, Brazil was a group of Portuguese colonies. Some colonies had more contact one with others, but there were no any uh, kind of political or national or social unity. Um, in these terms, we cannot say that there were a Brazil before 1808. Until 1808, Brazil was isolated from the rest of the world and ruled with an iron fist by the Portuguese. Manufactured goods were forbidden, as were newspapers. It was only with the arrival of the court that the first Brazilian bank was created. The ports were open to ships from places other than Portugal and blockades were lifted. Many institutions, new institutions, were created in Brazil. In Rio de Janeiro, especially because it was the capital, the new capital of Portuguese empire, new institutions were, uh, were created. Uh, a press, a botanical garden, uh, a bank, a bank of Brazil, um, other uh, administrative institutions, all these things that happened after 1808 were part of um, a more important thing. The, more, the most important thing is um, a creation of a new feeling, a new identity that in some years, especially after 1820, 1821 and 1822, this new feeling, this new identity started there were no national Brazil, only Portuguese colonies with this name, Brazil. It was this deep change that opened new perspectives in terms of political thinking, in terms of political projects, in terms of imagining a new future to, to the Portuguese empire. And among all these possibilities, in a few years, it, it would exist an idea of creating a new state and a new nation, a Brazilian one. In 1815, King João VI elevated the colony to become a part of a united kingdom of Portugal, Brazil and the Algarve. During three centuries, Portugal was a metropole and Brazil was a group of colonies. The role of Brazil in Portuguese empire was central, especially after the discovery of gold in Brazil in the beginning of 18th century in the region that now corresponds to the state of Minas Gerais and after uh, Mato Grosso and also Goiás. So Brazil was a kind of a, a economic heart of Portuguese empire. This United Kingdom meant that Portugal and Brazil were 
since that point, since that year, in equal levels, but the capital of the empire was still in Brazil. It created so new feelings, new disputes, new conflicts between European Portuguese and American Portuguese. These new conflicts led to this situation of clashes, of um, different points of view, of different political products. This is the new situation, conflicts between Portuguese of Brazil and Portugal. As Brazil prospered, Portugal was engulfed by a severe economic crisis, which inevitably led to political turmoil. Members of the Portuguese elites created a form of state council to oppose the monarchic authority, forcing the king to return to Portugal in 1821 to avoid losing his crown. Brazil, a territory 93 times larger than Portugal, was left to a 22-year-old prince named Pedro. The problems with um, Portuguese, uh, European Portuguese, since then, led to a revolution in Portugal in 1820. It is called the Revolução do Porto, the Oporto Revolution, or the Liberal or Constitutional Portuguese Revolution. This revolution was a claim to limit the power of the king, Dom João VI, which was in Brazil. So it was under the pressure of this revolution, this constitutional revolution, that wanted to create a new constitution to Portugal, that the king decided finally to leave Rio de Janeiro in 1821, but to leave in Rio his uh, son, the prince Dom Pedro. Dom Pedro remained in Rio de Janeiro because it was a general perception that if there were no king, no prince, anyone of the royal family here in Brazil, Brazil could follow the same paths of revolutionary moments, Republican revolutionary moments of Spanish America. So it was very dangerous in terms of the interest of keep the, the monarchy surviving in the United Kingdom in, uh, of Portugal and Brazil. It was a very dangerous um, decision not to leave any representative of this royal family. So the role of Dom Pedro was to um, try to, to keep this monarchy working well here in Brazil. But in 1820, 1821 and 1822, the interests between uh, a government in Brazil, a government in Portugal, um, Portuguese in Brazilians, in Portuguese, sorry, in Brazil and Portuguese in, in Europe were uh, highly different. So it was from the person of Dom Pedro, the Prince Dom Pedro, that things uh, developed in the, the direction of a new government, a new state, and a new nation, 
and finally Brazil and Portugal separated in 1822. So it was uh, this this revolutionary mo movement, this liberal and constitutional movement in Portugal that po uh, put the, the, the historical process in a different way. In January 1822, the State Council wanted the prince to return to Portugal, which he refused. On September the 7th, Orders from Lisbon arrived declaring that Pedro was no longer regent and that all of his decrees were nullified. On that day, the prince declared Brazil an independent country. When a new country is created, it's natural that this new country faces economic crisis. Because if this new country was created by wars and by conflicts, it was also created by destruction. If there was destruction to create this country, it, will, it is important to have economic funds to rebuild the country and to put this country in a good position in terms of international relations, of diplomatic relations, of economic relations that will, will lead the life of this country. With Brazil, it happens exactly that. Brazil faced an economic crisis um, because it has to deal with wars of independence, Brazil also, as an empire, <coughs> moved um, a, a, an expensive war against the government of Buenos Aires between 1825 and 1828, and it, um, it put the things more difficult to Brazil in economic terms to survive in its first years. Well, the recognition of Brazilian independence by Portugal and by the Great Britain included a sort of economic compensation to Portugal to accept, of course, the loose of its, its colonies. It is part of the political gain of international relations in the 19th century. Just as Brazil colonization was different than that of Spanish America, our independence also has its singularities. For one, Brazil maintained monarchy, and it was headed by a Portuguese ruler, Pedro I. He would later be crowned in Portugal under the name Pedro IV. Brazil also kept slavery legal, as it was pivotal to the local economy at the time. But it would be a mistake to say that our independence bears no resemblance to what happened in the rest of America. Believing that the Brazilian independence was nothing more than a family affair negotiated by and for the elites would be ignoring that after September the 7th, 1822, Portuguese and Brazilian troops fought for months. In Bahia, for example, Independence Day is celebrated on July the 2nd, the day the last Portuguese vessels fled Salvador in 1823. 
it is not true that Brazilian independence was totally different or the opposite to Spanish American independences. This is a political myth. This myth says, in general, that Spanish American independences were conquest by violence, by uh, wars, by dis destructions, by violent clashes between political groups. And, in the other point, Brazilian independence supposed was conquest only by internal arrangements and a peaceful process. I repeat, it is not true. In Brazil, there were uh, wars of independence, there were many conflicts between different political groups, there were armies um, destroying groups, um, clashes between uh, different uh, political projects. So, even if the dimension of the destruction here in Brazil was, um, well, it, it, it is difficult to compare to Spanish America, because in Spanish America the things were really more violent, the violence was also present here in Brazil. This myth is part of a general myth that conceives Brazil as a peaceful society, as a society um, without great conflicts, uh, with a, a, a peaceful people. This is a myth, of course. This is a very violent country uh, until now, and this very violent history uh, um, passed through the, the history of independence. Yeah? So it is important to move away from this kind of explanation, Brazilian independence as an opposite uh, history to Spanish American independence, because it stresses this myth, it stresses the, the false idea of Brazil as a peaceful society since its, its beginning. Even one of Brazil's founding fathers was skeptical that any unity could develop in such a diverse land, doubting that Brazil would ever be able to function as a real country. Which begs the question, was the Brazil project a success? The answer, as always, depends on perspective. And here, I borrow from author Laudentino Gomes, who wrote a marvelous novel about the arrival of the Portuguese royal family. We can only compare current Brazil to Brazil itself. And in 1822, the very existence of a nation such as the one we have today was seen as ludicrous. All things considered, Brazil has definitely come a long way. Many people tend to consider this independence as um, a kind of um, uh, not so important history, but it's not true. Considering Brazilian independence as a peaceful process, as only a negotiation among elites uh, interested in maintaining slavery and um, avoid a social revolution, tends to, to depreciate Brazilian history as, uh, as a whole history. Brazilian history is, as history in general, a history of social conflicts, of social violence, 
And um, it is important for us to face our past, to to understand our present and to imagine our, our future. This podcast was written and prepared by me, Gustavo Ribeiro. Marta Castro produced this show and Ewan Marshall edited the final script. If you like this podcast, rate us on any platform you may be listening to Explaining Brazil. It takes a second, but it is really important for us. And make sure to visit our website, brazilian.report, and enjoy our free trial for seven days. And it's really free. You don't have to submit any credit card information whatsoever. Just go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. You can also support independent journalism by donating any amount to the Brazilian Report. Go to brazilian.report slash donate. If you want to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, our handle is at Brazilian Report. And that's all for now. See you next week.